I believe that if you put his words into modern jargon, <laughs> he might have said, you bet I am. You got that right. <laughs> Are you a king? You bet I am. You got that right. <laughs> that this is the correct interpretation of Yeshua's answer can be seen by his next words following. He said, To this end have I been born, and to this end am I come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Verse 37. Now Pilate might even have let out a little chuckle at this point. And he replied sarcastically, What is truth? Verse 38. He then famously washed his hands literally of the matter and turned Yeshua over to the Jews to be tried and condemned. Now, first off, what is the meaning of the Greek word cosmos used in this verse? Strong's Greek 2889 translated world. The comprehensive ten-volume theological dictionary of the New Testament, edited by Gerhard Kittel, widely considered the most authoritative reference work on the Greek New Testament, has this to say. Cosmos, world in the sense of Earth, inhabited world, humanity. Hence, in the later koine, or common Greek, cosmos can be used in the sense of the inhabited world the earth and its inhabitants, humanity. Cosmos can also denote the totality of creatures existing in the world. Often the sense of humanity is weakened to that of the world in the sense of the whole world or the people. The concept of the cosmos as the totality of all created things of universal space and everything contained in it comes to expression in statements concerning creation and the part of the logos, or the word, in it, as in John 1.10. Cosmos means world in the sense of the sum of all created being, at 1 Corinthians 3.22. But the reference here is obviously not to plurality of words. Cosmos is used for the human race in 2 Peter 2.5 and 3.6. In this respect, the New Testament simply follows Hellenistic and Jewish usage. Cosmos is one of the commonest rabbinic terms for the human race outside Israel. In other words, the Jews are using it as a synonym for Gentile, non-Israelites. And you could certainly see where Yeshua's kingdom was not of the unbelieving Gentile world he is a kingdom of redeemed believers. In rabbinic literature, continuing on with the uh, theological dictionary of the New Testament, in rabbinic literature, the present world is depicted as an age in which the evil impulse, human passion, rules. Isn't that the truth? Hence, this world is a world of sin and impurity, of lying and falsehood. It is a world in which good and evil, salvation and ruin are found together. The influence of the doctrine of the two ages may be discerned especially in the way in which Paul conceives of the distinction between God and the cosmos. 
according to 1 Corinthians 2.12, the Numa Tau Cosmo, spirit of the world, and the Numa to Ectosio, spirit which is of God, are mutually exclusive opposites. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, Now we obtain not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we may be perceiving that which is being graciously given us by God. Unquote. So uh, the doctrine of two eons or ages refers to the present ungodly age versus the righteous age to come. The New Testament realized that the fulfillment of God's rule over the cosmos is the object of eschatological expectation. Eschatological means doctrines concerning final matters such as death, judgment, and the afterlife. The world stands now under the power of the Archon Tau Cosmos, the rulers of the world. Only when the victory over the cosmos is fully won and judgment is passed on the Archon, ruler, and Archontes, rulers of the world, will the triumph song peal out. The seventh angel then blew his trumpet and there were mighty voices in heaven shouting, the dominion kingdom sovereignty rule of the world has now come into the possession and become the kingdom of our Elohim and his Messiah and he shall reign forever and ever so so with that in mind let's take a closer look at the important passage we read in John 1836 in the King James Version, it says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Unquote. So if it is not here now, then it follows logically that later it will be. But to share something very surprising here, in nearly half of the Bible translations that I compared, the word now, translated in the Greek word noon, is entirely removed by the English translators right out of the text in multiple English versions. Now why is this important? Because there is a great dispute that has gone on for centuries in Christendom between amillennialism, which teaches that the kingdom of Elohim is existent, existent now during the church age and there is no future millennium and premillennialism which teaches that this is a wicked AM, wicked age and it will be followed by a kingdom of righteousness the millennium in the future and depending on whether the word now appears in Yeshua's statement or not has a lot of bearing on which view is correct Amillennialism teaches the kingdom is here now in the present age. If the word now is removed from Yeshua's statement, then that undermines the idea that the kingdom is here at present. Let's look at a few Bible versions where the word noon, the Greek word noon or now, is ignored in the text. The Knox trans Catholic translation says, no, my kingdom does not take its origin here. Philip says, in fact, my kingdom is not founded on all this. Bible and Basic English says, my kingdom is not here. Amplified Bible with its annotations says, 
But as it is, my kingdom is not from here, this world. It has no such origin or source. Complete Jewish Bible says, my kingship does not come from here. Moffat says, no, my realm lies elsewhere. The contemporary English version says, my kingdom doesn't belong to this world. Easy read version, no, my kingdom is not an earthly one. But in contrast, over half of the Bible versions I checked include the word now, Greek word noon, indicate a time period issue. Here are some examples. And let me first point out that every one of the literal versions of the Bible that you could read includes the word now in the text. And every one of the early English translations has now. The concordant literal version says, yet now, is my kingdom not hence? Young's literal says, but now my kingdom is not hence. Rotherham, but now my kingdom is not from hence. Wycliffe, 1394, now my kingdom is not here. Tyndale, 1534, now is my kingdom not from hence. Miles Coverdale, 1535, but now is my kingdom not from hence. Bishop's Bible, 1568, but now is my kingdom not from hence. More recently, the common New Testament says, now my kingship is not from here. The God the New Testament says, now my kingdom is not from thence. Roman Catholic Douay Rheem says, now my kingdom is not from hence. And of course, the King James Version also has the word now. Other languages, the French Martin Version, says, my maintenant, mon regne n'est point d'ici bas. My maintenant, maintenant, which is spelled like maintenance, M-A-I-N-T-E-N-A-N-T, but pronounced maintenant in French, means now. Now my kingdom is not here. Spanish, the Sagradas Escrituras, or Sacred Scripture, says, ahora, which means now, ahora. Pues mi reino no esté aquí, for my kingdom is not from here now. So you might be thinking, well, this is probably just a matter of textual variances. There are, as we know, many ancient biblical texts, and there are some variant translations of some words and some of the verses. So this could just possibly be a matter that Nearly half the Bible versions in English chose one set of early text and others took another early text. So to check this out, I looked in the comprehensive reference book, the Concordant Greek Text, which, which lists every different disparate text of the New Testament on every verse. And there is variant text on John 18.36. For example, the Alexandrinus version uh, of early text says literally, the kingdom my, and Sinaiticus eliminates the word the to simply say my kingdom. The Alexandrinus in the Greek literal says ever that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but the Vaticanus manuscript eliminates the word ever and just says that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But these are the only textual variants existing on John 1836.
in the uh, looking at Sinaiticus, Vaticanus, and Alexandrinus. Now, I was not able to check the Dead Sea Scrolls, but uh, because uh, my copy is in somewhere in 70 or 80 bins of books in my basement, not readily accessible. But the Bible versions I quoted were published before the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, and so their discovery is not the reason for some, almost half of Bible versions dropping the word now. All three major manuscripts, Sinaiticus, Vaticanus, and Alexandrinus, all three contain the Greek word noon, meaning now. Now his kingdom is not here. So why are commentaries opposing a future physical kingdom? If Yeshua said that his kingdom reign was not here now, that conflicts with both amillennialism and postmillennialism, which teach that the kingdom in its fullness is here right now in the church age. And translators often put their own theology in the text, removing or changing words that, that get in their denominational way. It's no accident that Christian denominations have often produced their own Bible translations to uphold their own unique and disparate doctrines, such as Jehovah's Witness New World Translation, the Mormon Joseph Smith version, the Roman Catholic Dwayne Reams and Knox translations, and you can include perhaps the King James version in that as well because King James had his translation done to get the 1560 Geneva Bible out of homes and churches because its marginal comments refuted the idea of the divine right of kings, <laughs> which King James believed strongly in. <laughs> in the Reformation, Protestant churches left the Roman Catholic Church, and unfortunately, many of them took some of Rome's doctrines with them, including amillennialism, which today remains the teaching of the Reformed Church and some of the Protestant liturgical churches, such as Lutheran and Presbyterian. They claim there will be no future millennial reign. The millennial kingdom is here now. But it is not true that Yeshua said his kingdom is not here now. Uh, but if it is not true that Yeshua said his kingdom is not here now, but will be a future age on earth, this undermines their denominational theology. Here are some examples of reformed theologians who oppose a future millennium. The Geneva Commentary says, Christ affirms his spiritual kingdom but rejects a worldly one. And uh, my comment is, instead I believe the scriptures do show that the kingdom of Elohim is a spiritual one now and also a literal physical kingdom at the end of the age when it, with a future millennial reign. The Cambridge Greek Testament says, it does not mean my kingdom is not of this world now, but shall be so hereafter, as if Christ were promising a millennium. <laughs> but the New Testament does speak of a future millennium. In fact, five times in Revelation 20, verses 2, 4, 5, 6, and 7, a five-fold witness. You might call the idea of a future thousand-year period in Scripture prevalent, meaning widespread. And Amillennius once told me, but the word millennium only appears in one chapter of the book of Revelation. So supposedly we can just rip it out of our Bibles and ignore it. <laughs> so we just cut that chapter out because it doesn't fit our popular denominational traditions. 
Well, actually, it's not true that the future millennium is only mentioned in the book of Revelation. The thousand-year revelation, the thousand-year millennium appears in the book of Jubilees. In chapter 23, verses 26 through 30, uh, and that's dated to the 2nd to 3rd century B.C., so you can't say it was influenced by early Christian teachings. It, we read this, And a great punishment will befall the deeds of this generation from the Lord, and he will give them over to the sword, and to judgment, and to captivity, and be plundered and devoured. And he will wake up against them the sinners of the Gentiles, who have neither mercy nor compassion, and who will respect the person of none, neither old nor young nor anyone, for they are more wicked and strong to do evil than the children of men. And they will use violence against Israel and transgression against Jacob. And much blood will be shed upon the earth, and there will be none to gather and none to bury. Now I interject, this sounds to me a lot like the time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah 30, verse 7, which we have called the Great Tribulation. But going on in the Book of Jubilees, in those days they will cry aloud and call and pray that they may be saved from the hand of the sinners, the Gentiles. But none will be saved, and the heads of the children will be white with gray hair, and a child of three weeks will appear old like a man of 100 years, and their stature will be destroyed by tribulation and oppression. And in those days the children will begin to study the Torah and to seek the commandments and to return to the path of righteousness. Why don't we look forward to that time? goes on and says, And the days will begin to grow many and increase amongst those children of men till their days draw nigh to 1,000 years. And to a greater number of years than before was the number of the days. And there will be no old man, no one who is satisfied with his days. For all will be as children and youths. And all their days they will come complete and live in peace and joy and there will be no satan nor any evil destroyer for all their days will be days of blessing and healing and at that time Yahuwah will heal his servants and they will rise up and see great peace and drive out their adversaries and the righteous will see and be thankful and rejoice with joy forever and ever and that ends the passage in the book of Jubilees the millennial idea also appears in the biblical prophets such as Isaiah chapters 2 and 66. Now most commentaries do support the word now being in the text and there being a future millennium. The Geneva Bible of 1560 preferred by the pilgrims and Puritans says now my kingdom is not from hence and has a side note on John 1836 saying, it standeth not in strength of men nor in worldly defense. There is nothing here to dispute about the now issue in the Geneva side notes. The annotated Bible. The answer of our Lord, my kingdom is not of this world, has often been misconstrued to mean that the Lord will never have a kingdom in this world in the sense of a literal kingdom. Our post-millennial friends use it against the literal interpretation of the prophecies relating to the coming of an earthly kingdom of Christ. What our Lord meant by saying, my kingdom is not of this world, is that his kingdom is not, it has its origin or nature from the world. He will receive the kingdom promised unto him from the Father's hands. He gives a reference to Daniel 7.14. 
Another commentary by Dr. Alva McLean says, How the tribulation and sufferings of the present time, Romans 8.18, can be reconciled with the popular theory of a present reign of Christ with his saints is a, in a messianic kingdom allegedly established on earth at his first advent is one of the mysteries of theological opinion, unquote. Yeah, it's quite a mystery how they could teach it, in other words. Early theologian Eusebius Pamphilus of Caesarea, a Christian bishop and historian, lived 260-339 AD, and wrote an often quoted work called Ecclesiastical History, which has been called a landmark in Christian historiography. He relates in his book in Liber 3, chapter 20, the relatives of our Lord were brought before Domitian and interrogated whether they were of the family of David and what sort the kingdom of Christ was and where would it appear. They answered that this kingdom was neither of this world nor of an earthly nature, that it was altogether heavenly and angelical and that it would not take place till the end of the world." Unquote. Now something else <coughs> interesting in that text in John 18.36 is that the word not appears twice with two different Greek words. So what is the significance of two different Greek knots? The first knot, reading from the King James, my kingdom is not, Greek word, ou, O-U, strong 37.56, an absolutely negative word, not of this world, or cosmos. The second not, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not, Greek word may, spelled M-E, pronounced may, Strong's 3361, a qualified negation that I should not be delivered to the Jews. So we're assured that Yeshua's kingdom is absolutely not patterned, designed, or influenced by the present unrighteous and undeniably evil systems of the present world. So an absolute negation was used. On the other hand, not being delivered into the hands of the Jewish authorities was a qualified negation because although his supporters would not want that, it's what ended up actually happening. Another important point about this uh, verse is the word comforter or Holy Spirit. We're told in the New Testament that the comforter reigns now. John 14, 16, I will pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I said unto you. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of Truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. In the next chapter, John 16, we read in verse 4, I have told you all this now to prepare you. So when the time comes for these things to happen, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you these things at the beginning, because I was with you then. Now I am going back to the one who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But you are filled with sadness, because I have told you all this. Let me assure you, it is better for you that I go away. I say this because when I go away, I will send the Comforter to you. But if I do not go, the Comforter would not come. 
King James says, it is expedient for you that I go away. If I depart, I will send him unto you. So Yeshua did depart, rose back to heaven, and the Holy Spirit was sent, reigning spiritually in our hearts now in his place. John 16, 8, when the helper or comforter comes, he will show the people of the world how wrong they are about being right with God and about judgment. He'll prove they're guilty of sin because they don't believe in me. He'll show them how wrong they are about how to be right with Elohim. The comforter or helper will do this because I'm going to the Father. You will not see me then. That's during this age. And he will show them how wrong their judgment is because their leader has already been condemned. I have so much more to tell you, but it's too much for you except now. But when the Spirit of Truth comes, He will lead you into all truth. He will not speak His own words. He'll speak only what He hears and will tell you what will happen in the future. The Spirit of Truth will bring glory to me by telling you what He receives from me. All that the Father has is mine. That is why I said that the Spirit will tell you what He receives from me. So we're told that the Holy Spirit is here in the absence of Yeshua until His return comments from biblical scholars about this, Westminster Dictionary of Christian Theology says, the tension between the present, already now, and future, not yet, aspects of the kingdom has been reflected in almost every period of Christian history, and still is today, by the way. Often the tendency has been to opt for the one rather than the other. In other words, one extreme or the other. Either it's only here now or it's only here in the millennium. But why not both? The kingdom of Elohim is an everlasting kingdom throughout human history, we're told. In the Old Testament, Yah was king. In this present church age, the Holy Spirit reigns in our hearts. In the coming millennium, Yeshua reigns on earth. They go on in Westminster Dictionary and says, Conservatives still tend to regard the kingdom as individual and future aspects, liberals in corporate and present aspects. So you have two extremes to choose from. It's either entirely future or it's entirely here now and there's no millennial reign. And each side has their own proof text and ignore any conflicting scripture text. They ignore the fact that the kingdom of Elohim is eternal, but it comes in stages. As I discussed in my study, The Everlasting Kingdom, which is posted on the first page of the Tetyeshin website under Bible Prophecy. The Protestant Dictionary says the phrase kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven was a well-understood term among the Jews for Messiah's kingdom. And the doctrine about it was derived from Daniel 2, Daniel 6, Daniel 7. The kingdom, as foretold by Daniel, at least in its majesty and glorious manifestation, was something far off, something which belonged not to the first but to the second advent. There is a kingdom of grace in this age and a kingdom of glory in the coming millennium. So they say in the in the Protestant dictionary. So then to summarize, what is the kingdom of Elohim? 19th century biblical scholar John Peter Lang in his monumental 24 volume Bible commentary has this to say about Yah's kingdom. A kingdom of Elohim has existed ever since Elohim has created and governed the world but has passed through different periods, exhibited manifold forms, 
Viewed in this light, the whole history of the world itself is simply the history of the restoration and transformation of the world into the kingdom of Elohim. So Elohim interacted among mankind throughout the history of the Old Testament. And since the major focus of the Old Testament was on Passover and temple rituals, we could call the Old Testament the Passover stage of the kingdom. Centuries later, a new age dawned with Yeshua's resurrection, the coming of the Holy Spirit into the world to dwell in the lives of believers. We could call this a Pentecostal stage of the kingdom. And a future day when Yeshua's coming, his epiphany occurs, and his presence, his parousia, with us, mankind will witness, it, witness the dawning of the final stage of the kingdom of Elohim. Yeshua will tabernacle with us in an earthly kingdom, which we might even want to call the tabernacle stage. These three ages are, in fact, stages of the kingdom of Elohim on earth and are symbolized in ritual form by the three ancient festivals of Old Testament worship, Passover, Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, Weeks or Shavuot, and Tabernacles, or Sukkot. These ceremonial times are a shadow of things to come. In other words, prophetic, Colossians 2.17 and Hebrews 10, verse 1. So the kingdom in existence today operates internally in the lives of believers, Matthew 18.20 and Luke 17.21. This stage is necessary because men's hearts had to be converted before nations could be converted. Yet the internal kingdom can be discerned only by those who understand the Spirit's infilling in the lives of believers. Today, Yeshua reigns in the midst of his enemies and the hearts of his people. For the time is coming upon his return, when he is installed as head of the kingdom, and the kingdom of Elohim will hold physical sway over the entire earth. Until that time, we are to proclaim Yah's word to the unregenerate world and learn and practice the principles of kingdom living as outlined in the Torah. As Yeshua said, seek ye first the kingdom of Elohim, Matthew 6, verse 33. Amen. We'll close with that. Are there any questions? Oh, right. I answered all your questions. Even better. Okay. All right. Turn myself off before I see something embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs>